Hey, Danny. Now, I usually need to know what Big Daddy's up to immediately, but but I have to apologize to our listeners, Danny. You you have you have uh, you have something to say first before we check in with what Papa Bear's up to. What Papa Bear's up to, Big Daddy Papa Bear. I have to apologize to our listeners, and I appreciate everyone writing into the show to report this. And I have to apologize. If you're a new listener, like whatever, get on with the show. But for anyone that's been listening to our thousands upon millions of listeners that love Coffeehouse Blunders, last week I published a show that had some audio drifting, okay? And what this occurred as I was listening back about three or four days into the podcast after getting emails and reading the emails was that essentially Danny and I started on the same tone in aligned audio and then it was drifting. So my audio kind of sped up a little bit even though my voice didn't, but essentially drifting means that I start to overlap you. So by the end say, of the episode, I, I was under it was the crazy. impression that drifting was something you did when you made Fast and the Furious 2 Tokyo Drift. Fast and Furious. Right. Drift, 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 drift. Yes. Um, usually I'm drifting all the time, um, but audio drift is bad. And I do apologize. I went through. So after I got the reports, I went through and I hand stitch the episode meticulously it took me an hour to because <laughs> I, I have to go I have to, I have to listen back multiple times editing moving adjusting the audio stream right. so I did it because I love our listeners and I do apologize and I I have identified the issue and we fixed the issue and sure I've I've put additional QA quality assurance if you will Danny in place so with that now that we got all the other way What's Papa Bear up to? How you doing, buddy? <laughs> so first of all, I just, uh, that was great. All right, that was heartfelt. And honestly, if you're a listener out there who reached out to us, Twitter being most people's preferred version of, hey, what's going on with something in real time? Um, you're awesome. Thanks for letting us know. And if you, you know, obviously, if you're listening to the show for the first time, you still want us to get on with it. But as long as there was no like negative review given or anything, we appreciate the support. And uh, yeah. I was, I was a little powerless because Mots is kind of the brain behind this particular project. And and uh, we, um, so I was kind of like responding and saying like, hey, everybody, thanks, but kind of knew that James was going to be our superhero, you know. And and you did. You came through in the clutch, and and you taught us the drifting is not always a good thing, although Tokyo Drift did not have Vin Diesel in it, so I guess we should have seen this coming, that Tokyo Drift is often the most forgettable of the the eight-part epic long Fast and Furious series. So, so really, we should have known that drifting, even though it was once thought to be a good thing in Tokyo, was always a bad thing. So I'm glad we, we all learned thing. this lesson together. That's correct. And I think, you know, uh, as I because, you know, as I was listening to the audio, I was like, man, maybe Danny and I just talk over each other all the right. time. And, and, <laughs> and uh, as I, I listened to some of the previous episodes, as I do, um, you know, I was like, oh, no, we do a fairly good job. We do talk over each other all the time. But you know, luckily, what's so funny about that as I talk over you right now is literally the first thought I had when I got the tweet was that was probably me just interrupting James. Like that was what I thought. I didn't think there was really going to be any issue. Yeah. And I, I there was and I fixed it. So if you so here's a here's a, a quick Q&A and tip 
uh, essentially is that issue identified, solved. If you went in and um, listen, tried to listen to it and ran into issues, go delete that episode and re-download it or go to blunders.fm and the new MP3 is available. So it'll resynchronize and it's there for you. Well, there. Let's bring things back to the, the normal way we start this thing off, checking in with what's new. And what's new with me on a positive note is not only are you able to troubleshoot our drifting issues, uh, but your coffee gift is paying dividends. It nice. is... Like, I don't want to say you've improved every aspect of my life, but let's be honest, you have. I mean, I'm, you know, my wife and I are more intimate with each other. Nice. Good. So, no. <laughs> it's the coffee. Co- no. Coffee gets you going in the morning. You know, uh-huh. we, uh, we, we, um, we talk worse about the kids together in the morning because we nice. make this coffee and she's had tea. Sean is a big tea drinker and me going through this whole process of, of kind of like I hand grind my beans and I, you know, I'm boiling my, my, my awesome, uh, you know, my swan neck on the stove and I've got my, got my December dripper all set up. I, I'm a whole, I'm in a whole zone, right? And she's like, well, yeah. I might as well make some tea because the only thing she loves more than tea is spending time with me. And if she can't spend time with me, Without making tea, like standing next to me in the kitchen, then she'll make tea. <laughs> and so, you know, we've, you know, we've had some good conversations where we look at each other. We look at the four kids in the living room. They're screaming. We look back at each other. It's just sometimes you could just talk or not talk for hours about all those things. And, you know, much like a chess.com game, after the first couple moves, you can no longer abort. You can just resign. So when it comes to our kids, and I didn't mean to make a, any sort of weird pro-choice uh, uh, joke there. I was literally saying, I was trying to make a chess joke, where on chess.com, you can abort a game after you first start, and you don't get penalized. But after a few moves, you can't abort anymore. If, you're, if you want to give up, it's called resigning, meaning you lose. So right now, me and Sean are, are not in the abort stage of parenting. We are in the, okay, this is clearly our game. We're taking ownership of it, but we're resigning. And so we have now officially resigned as, as parents, except for the time where we get to make coffee together. So anyway, that, that's what's going on with us. Can you notice that I just, I just let you dig yourself deeper into your hole? In that <laughs> so funny. Right? So I'm talking about abort. Hey, that's not a pro-choice, pro choice, uh, pro pro life. I, what am I doing? And then I keep. I uh, this is like what I do with Shauna when I accidentally say something like, you know, you say something that's an insult that you thought was a compliment, and you keep trying to explain how it's a compliment and not an insult. Yet you just continue to pile dirt on yourself until it never you finally make the right choice of just shutting up and walking away. That's the story yeah. of my life, actually. That's that's a good. That's that's actually a good life lesson because once you. Once you say something wrong, there's really no coming back. You can, you. Can, I mean, this is for anyone. This is you right. know, whether it's <laughs> right. Heather saying it to me or I say something to Heather. But once that other person is in that mind, you just got to walk away because yeah. they, they or you think you heard the the verbiage, the tonage, whatever it is, the interpretation, right. and you're not going to win. You can't win. You got to take a take a take a few yep. minutes analyze what you just said out of your mouth hole right and then and then attempt to <laughs> just, now yeah now aren't aren't your kids back in school so why are you busy with them aren't they because well, the coffee time in the morning like i was talking uh, about how i'm making coffee i'm grinding by hand she's looking at me she's like oh you look so sexy when you're grinding your beans you yeah. know and shirtless and I, 
yeah, obviously, and and Natch. and you know, so she's like, well, I'm gonna make some tea, and but this was just the other day that we had that look of look at each other, look at the children. You know, you have the 18 month old screaming at all of them about something that she wants, and she's hilarious because she's like a tyrant bossing all of these bigger people around and knows what she's doing because she's just having a good time, like she's not even mad, right? And then. And then you got the others, and we just looked at each other and looked back, and you just had – sometimes you just had those moments, I mean, where you just like, – like like I said, it was no longer – you know, I guess I've already, I've already dug myself a hole. I thought it was a funny reference to say you can't abort the game anymore. You can only resign the game, and that's that was a chess game being resigned, so – well, you know, when you have the situation with your children, like you're playing a game with them and you know, you're about like five to 10 minutes in, like halfway through the game. And then they just walk away. Like that has oh, to happen oh, every too. time, every time. Right. It's I. Oh, my gosh. You And it, it frustrates me so much because I'm like, why are we doing this? Like now I have to play yours and your and mine, Hazel, so that your brothers aren't mad. But then they accuse me of collusion. Right. You know, I'm colluding against them because I have control over two games like I have like we're playing sorry as if I can like change the order of the cards, you know, for Hazel not to get a sorry. And then she sorries Nash. I'm not going to have her sorry myself, obviously. Right. It's a, I mean, this, qu- qu- it's this is a this is a nightmare. You just tapped on a lot of parenting frustration right there. I just got real deep. It's like a quirkle conundrum. Yeah, that's what <laughs> just imagining having. Too. I do love quirkle. Um, imagine owning two sides of the oh we're about to get deep and i'm gonna talk about this so if you own two sides of the quirkle board that's a huge advantage but imagine if you own two sides of the four player chess board oh <laughs> you just went you just you, know, you just dropped the proverbial mic on that four player chess by the way is blowing up people love it and i it's crazy i don't even i don't even have regular chess Okay, I guess more than most people I do, but it's like it's like it's so complex and so fun. Like this this game, four player chess. We are we are so excited about it. It might be our first one that we spin out into kind of its own app, just to kind of let it live in its own little area. But it's um you know that's that's a technology a technology question that uh, that's a whole other discussion. We actually had a long biz discussion today on the pros and cons of you know when you're when you're constantly adding to your own like app like are you cannibalizing your own features and your own market because you're you're always evaluating the statistics of how often your users are using your features but then you're adding more features and you want it to do well but then do you really want it to do better than your than your already most proven power performers not really but you know it's like how to how to market and how to grow yourself i think amazon I know I'm really digressing here and we're about to jump into why technology is ruining our lives, but I think Amazon does that better than any other company, recognizing specific niche markets within their overall demographic and their overall market goals and launching specific products that don't cannibalize their own features, right? Their own things. Because it's like people love chess.com for what it is and four-player chess, or you develop something that's really great. What if I developed the the coolest way to do a hard tool and I want it to do well, but then everyone's telling me like, hey, Danny, you guys wasted effort on that feature because no one's going to play it more than puzzles, right? It's, it's just a weird dynamic you get into at this stage in your company. And I think all of us are kind of like figuring this out together. I don't even know if we're doing a good job. But anyway, sorry, I digress. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I, I think as you build more complexity into anything in life or an app or a website, it's it's about the discoverability of it too. Um, so I think that's the, the biggest thing. And I'd be, I'll tell you, I've been going through some craziness myself of attempting to get a brazilian visa um okay you know what they just said right there i mean brazilian visa Uh, sorry i don't know why i thought that was a weird joke but (laughs) you know what they say about guys with brazilian visas right no what do they say they travel travel to brazil a lot 
Oh, that, that makes sense because they could get into the country because they have a visa. Yeah, right. I can't because I don't have a visa. Let me tell you what's happening, Danny. Okay, is I can't wait. When you start adding complication, just like four-player chess and to integration, what has happened here is that the Brazilian consulate essentially makes you submit your entire life's background to get a, a, um, a right. visa. But I'm about to head to Paris, so I can't give them my passport. So I actually had to go to our passport service. And guess what? I'm getting another passport, two passports. I'm going to have two passports. And then, Danny, yeah, let me, let, me, let me blow your mind. And then what happened? So if you are a frequent traveler, this sounds illegal, but it's not. Everyone keeps saying this. They're like, that's illegal. You can't do that. If you fly enough, the government will assign you another passport because we run into the situation where I can't get my visa because I won't have my passport. So I can't go to Paris because they have my visa, my passport. So I can't get my visa. Right. So I get this, it's a cylindrical cycle and I can't book the travel because I don't have the passport. So what actually happened, um, I, I crap you not is I went to go get my second passport and they're like, this first passport is too full. So you have to renew this passport. So I'm renewing my passport and getting a second passport. And then I have to fly to San Francisco to try to get my visa, which means that that passport that I give them will be my first passport, my new renewal passport. But then I might not get it back in time. But that's why I have a second passport. Boom. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. That's my life. I got to be honest. I blacked out at some point around the third or fourth time you mentioned second passport. But I mean, let's let's pretend that I had full cognitive awareness of that whole conversation. It's honestly, it almost kind of makes sense, right? I mean, because you, you you explained it very well. Like as much as it's really irritating, it kind of makes sense given like the weird circumstances. You are somebody who travels a lot. You have overstuffed your passport. I think that's the technical term, overstuffed. You know, it is, so you have a forced renewal upon you, right? And uh, and and you know. I don't exactly quite understand like why the Brazil passport has to be. You know what? Let's just le- you know what? let's leave it as it is, right? I exactly. Love it. Great exactly. story. <laughs> Great, Great story. Love it. Great, Great story. Great story. So you know what? That's uh, why the U.S. government is ruining our lives, or the lack of cooperation with other foreign entities uh, and how they how they track travelers. But why is technology ruining our lives this week, Mots? So I woke up this morning, Danny, and I was so excited because. I started to stumble upon my favorite tech blogs and start reading. Like I always, I get excited. I'm like, what's the latest tech news? And leading up what, to what the Apple. You, sorry, to, to, what, okay. what are your favorite tech blogs, by the way? I'd like to add some tech blog into my life, into my reading life. So will you will you link us up maybe? Maybe you could write a blog. Maybe your next Coffeehouse Blunders blog could be about Mats's favorite tech blogs. You should review oh, the good. other bloggers in a blog. <laughs> so mad that, So meta. That's what gets people's attention is when you review a blog in a blog. Yeah. It like okay, really sorry. gets them. I love it. You're, okay, can't wait. You're you're reviewing a movie, but it is a movie. <laughs> right. And then the movie reviewer is reviewing the movie of the movie review. Oh my! It's this is Inception. Uh, this is it. <laughs> yeah. So here's here. Okay. So I I frequent three blogs. I frequent. I mostly in frequent in gadget, which is very yeah. good for a long time. I also like the Verge, kind of different style okay. of news. Okay. okay. You've heard of those. I've been on the verge of reading The Verge a few times, so go ahead. The Verge is a little... I, I'm a big Joshua Topalski fan, okay? And he the used to work... The old JT. The old JT. He used to work <laughs> at the Engadget. He started The Verge. Now he started The Outline, which is also very good. Some tech, some a little bit of everything. Now, I, 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 I read those every day, but I also have an uh, Android-specific bl- blog that I read, which is Droid Life. And 
you know, last week was hard because the Apple event was essentially ruined in a way by technology leaks. And I was listening to John Gruber, um, uh, who's a very famous Apple blogger and is a podcast called The Talk Show. uh, Is he related to Mugruber from SNL? Uh, I don't believe so. I could probably tweet at him. He won't respond, but I could, I could tweet at him and ask him. Got it. He might, he might be a little mad. Um, MacGruber. <laughs> Actually, d- did you watch the MacGruber movie? Because I did a whole movie on it. I, I don't think I did. I, I, I think I saw the movie and I, the movie preview and said, okay, I know exactly how that's going to be an extended version of like maybe one of their better episodes. And that's yeah. it. I'm done. You know? Yeah. And that's it. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so, okay. So I woke up and uh, about last, at the end of last week, Google announced that they were going to have an October 4th event unveiling all their new Google products for the end of the year. And I literally wake up and what do I see? Here's all the leaks of of all the new Pixel phones and the new Google Home and all that. I'm like, oh my god! And I was like, I don't want to look, but then it's literally yeah, you do. It's, right? um, it's I right do want to look. Of you. Exactly. It's right in front of me, and I get so upset. But I wanted to get your input. So this is like just I think in general, like as technology advances, we I think um, some people from Apple said it really well. It's like the bloggers get so excited about it. how can they not blog it, right? This is information. It's like it's like sitting on on the most important news and not telling anyone about it, right? The it's most like important opening novelty in the Sicilian night or for a chess game, right? Exactly. You want to play it. <laughs> you want to play it. You want to play a strong E4. And uh, so I think I, I get kind of upset. I like I liked it in the beginning, but now it's almost too specific where the images, the specs, like everything. I want to be surprised by anything. I don't feel like we're surprised by anything in technology around an announcements. Does this bother you as someone in tech but not obsessed with tech like me or or no am i just in a whole different Um, world it 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 doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you but i guess because you described me well i'm in tech but i'm not as like i'm not on the edge of my seat because you work so much more closely and and it's not you know it's it's uh i kind of fell into tech you know sort of backwards right i was uh, i was breach sort of so to speak (laughs) in terms of how i came into this tech world that's how uh, i came into this world physically Uh, that that is hilarious i was breach in terms of how i came into the tech world i gotta write that down um so i kind of came in a little bit backwards and uh so i've never been like as obsessed but you also in fairness to yourself you work where software meets hardware and you're literally optimizing the experience for both your customers and so you you it's like something you're very passionate about so i'm saying i'm going to say what i'm saying that it doesn't bother me as much and maybe you are overreacting i'm saying that lightly without any judgment because i understand i think you actually work in a field where you know, you're passionate about it. It's literally what you do where software meets hardware, where the innovations of hardware then force software innovations, right? And then, by the way, I just had one of those things recently because I got a 4K monitor. Oh, yeah. And do you know how many, how many regular software programs I use are not optimized for 4K? I will All tell you. All of them. And it is so flippin' irritating, dude, because I didn't... This is not something someone's going to go Google. Like, what software is good for 4K until you get a 4K <laughs> monitor? You get yeah. a 4K monitor and you're like... Because I use, like, the mail client I use. Like, like the fonts are totally broken. And, like, I start... Sure enough, I start Googling around. Before you know it, I'm knee-deep in forums of people complaining how there's basically no fix for this software as it currently stands if you're using a 4K monitor. So, yeah. anyway, it's funny, right? So, you actually work where, you know, hardware meets software, software meets hardware, and both are sort of forcing each other to innovate and evolve mods. So, I love you for that. I appreciate that. But that all being said, you're totally overreacting. Like, none of this really <laughs> matters, right? It's blogging about... 
new tech and it's like I, I understand them not wanting to sit on it like I don't care as much I, if I accidentally stumble across a spoiler I usually is not an accident usually I'm googling like what the bleep is going to be the next you know I've been googling when is the next Mac Pro going to come out for like what yeah. seven years and Apple's been disappointing <laughs> us on that one forever you know but and now there's apparently actually is going to be a Mac Pro coming out soon um, I believe so yeah well there's yeah. going to be those new iMac Pros or whatever which are bananas yeah. but I want yeah, yeah and- just a but um, you know, so sometimes I guess I'm like I'm looking for the spoiler because I'm I'm really curious. But but so I understand how you feel, and I want to I want to encourage you to just kind of let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Don't read the tech blog anymore. Let it go. I can't help it, Danny. Oh, that makes sense. And I'm interested in what our listeners think as well, because if you're really techy, and then you know maybe you're like me, where I just I just thought over the last ten years it's just become so. Like I thought the I always thought that the speculation was always really fun. I like a good speculation. Right. But then when it's like literally you're not speculating anymore, you're like, oh man. Because I think if you look at it like this, imagine, Danny, if you will, you guys were ready to unveil four person chess to the world. Right. But right. then it but then it leaks a week before right. you're gonna announce it. And then you're like, oh, all those developers essentially right. that are working on the software spoiled. Right. Right. But, dude, the last time I was worried about spoilers in the online world was, like, MuggleNet and Harry Potter, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's – I was reading MuggleNet.com looking for spoilers on book seven. Like, you're you're tapping into, like, a – I just don't worry as much about it. I do – but I, I could relate to that. What made me think of MuggleNet was when you implied speculation because, to me, the speculation part of it is exciting where you're like, oh, yeah. I heard this. Here's what's confirmed. And then mm. here's all the things it could mean, right? Like, like I'll get into – here's where I'll get upset. Like, if I accidentally read a Star Wars spoiler, like, on Episode Eight coming out, and it's like, here's what's confirmed, like, Luke Skywalker dies or something. I, I don't think that's true, right? But let's just say it is, and then here's what it means. I'd be like, what? Like, why are you telling me any of this, right? You yeah. know, so I enjoy speculation, but I don't want it to ruin the experience. So all of a sudden, oh, my God, all of a sudden I'm right there with you. Now I get it. Yeah. Boom. Crushed it. Now you now you have stepped into my bright blue shoes that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> somehow you won that argument. I have no idea how. I don't even know I didn't even know we were arguing yet. Somehow I feel I feel like you did to start, you know, and I feel like you need to be telling me to let it go now. I mean Let it go, Danny, let it go. Yeah. Don't you dare read the Star Wars spoilers anymore. <laughs> that's that's not how it jingles, but let me tell you, Danny, I was browsing through this website that you may you have were heard browsing. of. Called- I was browsing like I do reading technology leaks and I and I stumbled upon yet another there seems to be a new championship every other day in the world of chess and more than anything. And you know what we learned? If you throw the word championship on it, more people show up. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> that makes that makes sense. Yes. Um it's true. <laughs> I guess I guess that's I actually, really true. Actually, you... That is true, although that's not necessarily what we learned, but it'd be like somebody saying, like, you know what we learned? If you throw the word this on it, more people come. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. So I need I was browsing, by the way, chess.com. I don't know if you've heard of this website. Right. Where I where I had 37 minutes left on one of my games and I feel terrible about it. Um I've just been traveling a lot. So I was like 30 and I like had to finish all these moves and uh, I stumbled upon this um, stuff, these championships. There's a lot going on. And I thought that chess didn't matter, but there seems to be championships that saying that it does matter. 
Okay, so championship jokes aside, this event really is a first-time championship. So you're, you're talking about the Computer Chess Championship, right? Computer Chess Championship. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll link that up for the, for the uh, listeners here. And, and so why is that cool? Well, here's the thing. Um, computer Chess... So, so the best chess engines, right, in the world, uh, that's what they call them, the chess engine, computer chess, is, first of all, you know what we learned today is actually, like, chess versus computer and play versus computer. We learned that, like, that's actually one of the top four, like, search items that we haven't been fully optimized for. As a company, we're always, as I say, playing the bigger chess game on the web. But and that's just uh, totally digressing. But we had a, we had kind of a manager meeting today. That's why I've been all the these things I've been mentioning. But um, so the people, inside, people like really how, do think of I like how think you of just, chess versus computer a lot. Sorry, I like, how, I like how you just literally tell everyone about the inner workings of chess.com. Dude, I do. I, I can't. I can't keep my mouth shut because I don't even. What's the point? Let's share the love, right? Anyway, so people love playing chess versus computers. They love the controversy of man versus computer, man versus machine. We've talked about this. They love, people love discussions of AI and the development of artificial intelligence and when is Skynet going to go active? Who's really going to be our John Connor? Is it going to be Mots? Is it going to be Danny? Like these are things people think about all the time, right? And so the, the thing about computer chess previously is that one, um, it's only been played in these sort of very non-relatable two formats where all the engine developers, these software developers who develop these smartest, most intuitive chess analysis engines come together and they play like matches that are hundreds of games with like no time limits. They just let the computers play each other in an automated way. And it's just game after game after game to see who's better in like a really long setting, right? And and um, the time controls are so long and the parameters are kind of so, um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, down talk those events because they are also innovative like before no one cared about computers now people actually are interested whoa who's going to win the computer chess championship this year right so so it is cool but it's not that exciting for humans to watch and so we thought about this at chess.com and we decided what could we do to pair all the best chess engines together and do it in a way that was like fast enough and kind of fun enough that we could put Danny Wrench in like a commentary room and actually talk about two computers playing each other, not Nakamura versus Carlson, mm. but like Komodo versus Stockfish. What would those what would the format of that need to be that people would actually tune in for like a computer chess championship, right? In a fun way. So what we're doing is it's a it's a rapid format. It's fast time controls. Chess.com is donating a prize fund that we're going to give to the you know the winning developers, um, the winning you know the winning chess software, which is cool for them because a lot of these guys do their work and it's kind of a thankless task and they don't always get funding. So it's not a huge prize fund this year, but if it goes well, maybe we'll increase it. But you know, so we're we're giving back to the chess engine community and we're doing an event with rapid time controls where these guys are going to play in a short match format and we're going to have commentary and fun and you know what they'll even be punch and pie go ahead and bring your <laughs> friends they'll be punch and pie there you go i like punch so that's, and that's pie what it is. i'm in i'm in i think that's really cool i mean to me i enjoy when like nakamura plays an engine or you commentate on engine play but i'm interested to see how you adjust it because we obviously know that some engines like the komodo engine is like it's, it's totally up there so like are other engines gonna get um like a like a uh an advantage well 
It's interesting. In fact, I think you could argue the Komodo, the strongest chess engine, will have a disadvantage in Rapid because, as Larry Kaufman, who's uh, one of the grandmaster brains behind it, has said to us that you know they don't always feel like Komodo is optimized for a Rapid match format, like it wins in the slower match format. So it'll be interesting to see um, Komodo and Stockfish, and we could really dive into the weeds here and, and be discussing you know all kinds of uh, X's and O's about chess, about what separates these engines on like a stylistic level, but we won't do that. Let me just say that I, I, I'm very curious. I, I would say that probably Stockfish or Komodo should be the favorites, but these developers we've invited, a lot of them have never had a chance to take their swing at the big guy. That's the other thing. If everyone goes ahead and clicks on the link of, uh, of the event Mots is talking about in the show notes, you'll see that you know we, we've been working on this for a while and Wow, it's actually got a lot of comments. Very, very well responded to. I'm just seeing this now. I mean, yeah, um, so Stockfish and Komodo, Houdini and Shredder, those four are very well known and and monetized engines. But Fire and Fizbo and Chiron and Gull and Boot with three, like these guys will have their chance in a rapid format to kind of take a shot at the big guy. Yeah, I like, like that. That's really cool. Yeah, you never you know, know. And, that, and these are these guys are on the cutting edge of of engine software development. So, and we've contacted them, and and they're all excited, and it's um we're we're pretty pumped. That's cool. I love I love that. I think that's a super fun. I know I'll tune in. When is this November? Right, November thirteenth through sixteenth. Going to be kind of over a weekend, and and we have no idea. Like I think. You know, I've gotten more excited about it as we've been planning it, but Pete is our is our main staff member who like he literally is a is an engine worshiper. I tease him all the time, but he he just loves chess computer engines and he I said I'm like you're the guy who's going to be on Skynet's side, okay, when he launches the missiles, right? I mean, but he he's like so excited and and you know, can't wait to to see what happens. I, who knows? Will people show up for it? They find it interesting. Will it be like a big flop where people are like, "Why am I watching computers play computers here?" So I'm going to hope to make it entertaining enough that no one feels that way but we'll see i love it i'm in i'm in what else is going on anything else in this world of chess you well, got a few you know, things on here what else are we uh, talking about we, we, we made some other notes but i don't know that anything is really nearly as exciting as as those things i mean we've got we made an update to our ios app which again led to discussions and now that you've said that i should be a little more i'll be a little more uh uh conservative with what i'm revealing here in my in, in the conversations that took place between me and other owners and managers of chess.com. You're right, Mats. I probably should. Um, but anyway, no, it was, uh, we, we discussed kind of, um, we like had a big all, iOS uh, update. Everyone tunes into blunders to see what you think of them. What Danny's going to say. I mean, I've already, <laughs> you, uh, in a previous episode, I say? actually said something and you didn't even notice it, but I said something just in the semantics that one of our top, I told you, we employ four full-time people in our cheat detection department, catching chess cheaters. Two yeah. of them are, are professional statisticians. One of them is like a biochemist, like, you know, PhD from from Harvard or something who got into statistics. And he's he's awesome. He's kind of, you know, been one of the real innovators. And then we've got other statisticians and detectives. But I said something just in the semantics of the word I used that described something we look for in the cheat algorithm that he like was chewing me out in an email about. One, I was like, you listen to blunders? You know, <laughs> cool. Yeah. And then on the other awesome. hand, I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. He's like, yeah. He's like, we can't say that. Like, that's proprietary information. I'm like, my bad. Um, <laughs> Do I need to go edit that now? I should probably. No, no, that. it's it's too late. They'll have to scour it. It was it was many many moons ago, many many blunders ago, and and this show is for blunders. But it is for um, blunders. Anyways, we're having lots of fun. The new iOS app is out, so if you have Chess.com on iOS, you might want to update that. It's it's got some good improvements, like Chess TV. Uh, you can watch Chess TV right in the app now, and that's where all, a lot of these shows and events go. But I don't want to just talk about my company mods. What do, what do you want to talk about with Chess? I do. Why don't so you ask me. 
that that is a pretty good concept. I've never thought about asking you any questions. But asking I do have an, an international master or something. Yeah, I think it would be. You can tell I'm in Chicago because there's people, there's sirens and horns all the time here. <laughs> Every five seconds, there's someone honking a horn. So I never thought about asking an international master because I never knew an international master. And Interma- then I met international you. International is actually the in- correct. Inter- international is the correct. International, an international <laughs> chess champion ship champion and i thought you know i've been playing a lot of chess recently on chess.com and i run into this scenario where i get i start playing a new game and i immediately start thinking i'm gonna have to either lose a piece or sacrifice a piece early on in the game early ish on in the game i mean because you can play and play and play and you can do these moves and this but at some point you gotta you gotta take a jab, right? You got to get in there. You got to do something or else we're just moving pieces around and no one's capturing anyone. Otherwise, what is it all about? Why are we here? Why are we here? So my question is, if I am to sacrifice someone early on, who should I sacrifice first? And should I be optimizing my play style around that, right? Is it a poor little pawn? Is it a poor little bishop? Because I found myself recently, Danny, missing a lot of knights. They seem to go missing and are being sacrificed <laughs> for no reason. So is that bad? Oh, is, that am was, I thinking am I thinking wrong? That was hilarious. I've never heard that um described <laughs> like like it's almost as if you're a vi- you're a victim to those missing those poor mis- those wanted posters, those missing knights. Um an am- amber alert for a missing knight. Wait, was that inappropriate? That might have been like what I mentioned earlier. Anyway, sorry. Um all right, so the missing <laughs> No, you know what's funny is Mikel Tal uh, the magician from Riga uh, was uh, was well known for sacrificing his knights. Uh, okay, so you're asking a bit of a, a bit of a vague question, but you're not necessarily mean. Here, here's what I'm going to say about it: one, before you sacrifice, there you understand what you're giving up is is material. So you're giving up like a concrete, measurable point. Like you're sacrificing a free piece, like a pawn or or a knight or or. Or, you know, a knight for a pawn. So, you know, a pawn's worth one, a knight is worth three. So you're down two points, so to speak, right? Or you're, or you're giving up a rook for a knight. Now you're, now you're down five for three because a rook is worth five, a knight is worth three. Um, so whenever you're sacrificing points, the, the best way to evaluate it is, is are you gaining squares in return? And one good measurement of any move, especially a sacrifice, is does this sacrifice open up more squares of entry? Or, or do I not get any, or, or, or no, no more squares? So sometimes you sacrifice in order to get your opponent to move a pawn. Let's say you take a pawn with a knight, they have to take back with a pawn. And in doing so, they've opened up a file for your rook. So by definition, that would meet our criteria. You have sacrificed with purpose. You have opened up more squares, more options. And the reason this is important is because Petrosian, uh, a former world champion, was very famous for this sort of belief and the way he taught his students that chess is really all about square control. Because if you think about it, dogmatically, we apply these point systems. A queen is worth nine, a rook is worth five, knight and bishops are worth three, pawns are worth one. We apply these point systems to pieces to kind of help us value and judge our own moves. But ultimately, those those point systems are only based on the potential power of those pieces. Like a queen in the middle of the board is worth nine because she's a beast, right? Girlfriend can play, right? I mean, she's moving around the board. She's the most powerful, right? But if you have a queen in the corner totally blocked by her other pieces, yes, the piece is still dogmatically worth nine, but its scope, right, its actual power and influence on the board is certainly not worth the full power of nine points. Yeah, that makes sense. So 
So Petrosian's chess Taoism, his philosophy was very true, which is that basically what matters most is the ability to make threats and to, and to have the initiative, to create opportunities. And when you have more squares available to you, you have more threats and more moves and more squares for your pieces. So if you're making a sacrifice, is this increasing your options or is it decreasing your options? Now, if you're making a sacrifice always for defensive reasons, we don't call that a sacrifice, baby. We call that a blunder, meaning you already lost your piece, right? Now you're having to give it up. And that's funny because yeah. so many young players always say that, yeah, I um, I sacrificed my bishop. Then I look at the game. I'm like, your bishop was trapped in the middle of the board. <laughs> like, you lost your bishop. You didn't sacrifice your bishop. You lost it. So remember, a sacrifice is something where you're technically the term is you're willingly giving up something to open up more avenues for your pieces. Losing a piece or blundering a piece, and if you're constantly losing or blundering your pieces early in the game and you don't feel like there's a real purpose, then we, we actually need to be talking about other things, like are you are you misplacing these knights who are going missing? Are you always putting them on squares that are attacked by pawns? Like, that's a blunder, right? Whereas, or are you are you somebody who, like, really likes to sacrifice his knight with a check because it opens up a diagonal for your bishop and you like to attack on, like, the light squares? Okay. Mm. Like, now we're talking a sacrifice. You see what I'm saying, right? So, yeah. So, but hopefully that philosophy helps you about evaluating, are you increasing your options with this move or are your options the same or decreased? And if it's either of the latter two, then probably you shouldn't be making that sacrifice. Yeah, and I think also what's important is that I look to see what my opponent's doing because if the opponent puts their knight in a place that's easily capturable, are they sacrificing it or did they just blunder, right? Right. I mean, I right. think that's and, another and that's thing to look at. that's a good to way to judge at. them, right? Or what is he gaining? So you visualize, I'm going to take that knight. What is he gaining in return? Is is the piece that's taking that knight, am I moving ex-bishop or ex-queen away from something valuable? So it's a decoy sacrifice. Am I, am I putting something on pre myself? If I take that knight, is he taking me back, right? So you know, you start to evaluate, is this truly a decoy sacrifice? Or, or if you don't see anything they're gaining of value, then you might assess that, okay, like a piece is a piece and I'm going to take it. Now, let me ask you one more question before we hit the road is, now you're saying that each piece on the chessboard has values associated with it. Is that what you're telling? Okay, so you didn't know that. (laughs) And uh, where can I learn about this mathematical number that each piece are assigned? This is phenomenal. Let me, um, let me, uh, how Because I, I had to imagine, I know that some chess pieces are more important than other chess pieces, but a... Uh, a pawn that is marching forward to become a queen is also very powerful as soon as it becomes a queen, right? Because um, obviously, the queen is right. the most powerful, right? You know, that's one of the fun and cool things about about um, about chess is is the dynamic potential for it to change, right? Which is why yeah. when people hear those exponential numbers, I've said this before, but if you're still listening to this show, everybody, and you for a second are thinking about making a comparison between chess and checkers, I'm gonna like throw throw something at you because checkers is just because you know Mattel. The, the toy company started it where they started including in that little black and red checker board, chess and checkers together. Everyone thought they were worthy of each other. But checkers has, at, at its beginning position, at its peak, 142,000 roughly possible positions, like, like to the exponential power, right? Chess at its beginning position has 1.36 billion possible positions. And that number can actually grow based on the potential variables of pawns promoting and different things. So the point is like, because of the dynamic potential for a position to change in chess, it's a very complex game. And, and, and that's what makes it that's what makes it so great. And so you're right. It, it, the value of pieces is not just based on, um, okay, here you go. I'm, I'm, I'm linking you to this. So 
I'll put the link here in the show notes. At the end of this article, if you Google how to play chess, like outside of the initial Google has those notes, the top option is chess.com's article on, on how to play chess. And if you scroll down in that article, it lists the point values. Mm, um, I should learn where, this. Where it gives the pro tip, don't give pieces away. It talks about, well, how much are the pieces worth? And so you, so I'm sorry, I kind of jumped the gun there. But yeah, that's an important thing to understand. Is is But it is good to understand. I've already kind of taken your knowledge to the next level about yeah. understanding the value of these pieces is based on their potential power in like the middle of the board. That's how we value them. But if a piece is bad, or if you leave a piece undeveloped, your rook could be worth five, but if you're not developing all your pieces and that rook is staying in the corner out of play, like you're not using the power of that you know piece that's worth five. And remember, because you can win a game by checkmate, even if you're down a ton of points, that's another dynamic thing that makes chess interesting. Like the piece values are sort of there as guidelines to you to encourage you to activate and use them. But but you can sacrifice your queen for checkmate. There's no reason you can't do that, yeah, which that is, again, sense. another thing where chess is not just a game of gather all the points you want. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. I'm going to go literally read this how to play chess so I can learn how to play chess. And I will say I've been getting a lot of challenges because I threw it out there for people to challenge me. And um, I'm I'm accepting them slowly. I don't want to have too many chess games coming on at a time. But if you right. did challenge me, it's in there. I'm going to get it. Challenges don't expire, do they? Uh I don't think so, unless unless they cancel them, unless your so opponent says like I'm tired of I'm tired of waiting for you. Yeah, don't don't cancel for me. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna bring him in over time, and and I will accept your challenges for daily chess. And I'm gonna go first learn how to play chess now that Danny has provided me um, how to go <laughs> how to use Google to play chess. So there's if that. you Google how to play chess, no, I'm kidding. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean for it to come across in a condescending mm-hmm. way, but it is true, right? I mean, there's like there's some really basic stuff, and a lot of people jump into playing chess before they before they really know how to play the game, right? Um, yeah, that's, that's true. Okay. Absolutely. That's okay. Yeah, it's, you, you, sometimes you have to learn by failing and, um, you know, and, and that's okay. When I talk to a lot of developers and a lot of developers learn by hands-on, like I will get my hands in the code and I'll run into problems, then I'll figure out how to do it. So once I'm like, man, my opening sucks, my opening sucks, I keep, I, my, my pieces keep getting sacrificed, aka blundered away. Okay, let me go learn how I don't make these early blunders or whatever. So it's important to learn, like with these, these pieces. You learn one piece at a time. You know what is else important to learn? What? Just... Just how much how great it is that yeah you spent we spend time with each other as friends. I'm telling you what, I think that six months ago we weren't even doing this podcast, and and I just like I just like literally woke up that day with like a loose hair and was like and and then you like you ran with it because I'm an idea guy who says things like that to people all the time. Hey, we should do this, but you like literally were like, yeah, we're gonna do this. Like it's yeah, happening. it's happening. Yeah, I registered the domain name. Done, <laughs> right. and then it it's, was over. So that's over. I really you enjoy do this. I hope all of our listeners do too. This is this has been a fun episode, and uh, I'm excited. All right, buddy. Till next week. Love you.